Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. If you got your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 5. So if you got a Bible or a device, maybe a phone or a tablet, I want you to be with me this morning because we are really going to look into this passage. We want to welcome everybody that's joining with us online. We're sad that you can't be here with us today, but we're glad that you're joining with us uh, through the venue of media. And we ask that, that everyone would like and share our worship service so that we can continue to, to get God's word out. And, and if if you're watching us from home, as you've heard me say in the past, I want you to get your Bible too. Don't get lazy. It's so easy to be on the couch or be in the in the bed or the, the kitchen and oh, I'll just I'll just listen. No, no, no. We're gonna study God's word today. We're gonna get it into us today. So we want to encourage you to get your Bible or your device and to follow along with us in, in Acts chapter 5. We're gonna be in verse 12 here in just a second. You can uh, find our notes. Uh, you hopefully were able to get a set of notes on your way in, and if you're joining with us on online, you can go to our website, nbcmetairie.org, and get a set of notes uh, by going to our worship service tab. Before we really dive into this passage, I heard a story this week. It was a, a, a story um, that was someone made up, but it was about an older gentleman who, who had some health problems, and he went to go visit his doctor, and his doctor looked right back at him and said, all right, you know what's going to have to change? Your diet. It's like the worst thing any of us could hear, especially as a Baptist pastor. It's like the worst thing anyone would ever say to me. You know, if they say, your health is in turmoil, what have I got to change? Doc, can you give me a pill? Can you give me this or that? And they said, no, you're going to have to change your diet. I feel his pain. And so the physician spoke to the man on the importance of eating right and gave him a long list of things to eat and then a long list of things not to eat, told him that he needed to get out and do some exercise. And so the gentleman, I guess in his lament, called his sons and let them know that his health was declining. Needed to let them know in case something were to happen. And he knew that his sons would be concerned. And so he explained that the doctor's prognosis and the prescription for restoring his good health. And so he got, you know, had his conversation with his kids. And so later on, his, his son, a couple weeks later, wanted to check in on his dad. And he called him uh, and he said, he called dad, he said, dad, how you doing? I know those, that, that doctor gave you those instructions a while back. How is the regiment going? And the old man replied, he said, oh, oh, you don't worry about that. I changed doctors. <laughs> Truth is one of those things that it can be avoided, but it can't be voided. You can change doctors all day long, but it doesn't mean that there's not something that's still taking place in the body. And so for us, it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And for us, when we hear, okay, I've got sin in my life. I need a change. God loves me and is gracious and merciful towards me. And he, and he wants to make a change in my life. But I've got to take the steps of, you know, of, of, of accepting him as my Lord and Savior. We can do the same thing. On a spiritual level, we can either avoid it, oh, but we can't avoid it, or we can accept it. And God's truth is just one of those things that it's, it stands for what it is. When I think of God's truth, 
I think of something that's rock solid. You know, in, in our day and age, uh, we talk about the postmodern culture, and I don't want to go too deep in, into what that is. But postmodern culture says, you know what? You've got your truth, and I've got my truth. And I don't want you to take your truth and, you know, tell me how to do my truth. Everyone's got their own truth. And the reality, here's what they're really saying. Here's, here's, here's what it really is. It's really you have your opinion and I have my opinion, but at the end of the day, there's only one truth, and that is the truth of God's Word. I, I think it's interesting that people will, will throw truth around, you know, when it comes to, to, to spiritual matters and spiritual things, and, and this is just me. This is just me thinking out loud, talking out loud. Why don't we do that anywhere else in life? You know, why, why civil engineers, when they're building bridges, you know, why don't they, you know, well, you know, this is the, the laws of physics. And here, you know, that's the, the, the truth. But you know what? We could build it another way, and we don't have to use the law of physics. We could go with what you're feeling. I don't know, folks. I mean, uh, when, why is it when we come to spiritual things that there's, there's no hard truth, or at least in our culture that people will say there's no hard truth, but everywhere else, in this world, there's truth. If you jump off this building, I guarantee you, you're going to go down. You are not going to float because you feel like you're going to float. There's some rock-solid truths that are everywhere else in life, but when it comes to spiritual things, I think about it being rock-solid. When, uh, when I was uh, going last year, we were going to Lake, Lake Charles to help tarp some roofs. And uh, after the hurricane hit, and so we were, you know, we had a group of people, and we took the, we took the, the van, Mr. Riggs, and I was driving the van, Mr. Riggs, and I haven't told him this until now, but we were going down I-10, and uh, there was some construction, and I got to be honest, I was a little nervous because there was no shoulder, and here I am in our church school van, you know, don't want to wreck it, and, and there's nothing but these walls on either side. And I just thought to myself, I was so nervous because there was no shoulder. There was that concrete wall. I slowed down and I took my time because I knew that if that wall and I got into it, that wall was going to win. The gospel of Jesus is so true. You can argue against it. You can refuse to believe it. You can refuse to like it. But in the end, it is rock solid and it's going to win every single time. That's why we're going to put up here on the screen. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, look at this, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the, the, when you take another way, it doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't have the narrow walls because the Bible says that broad is the path that leads to destruction. And so this morning, I want us to talk about God's truth as we look into Acts chapter 5. We're going to start right here in verse 12. And we're going to see how the truth was permeated through the disciples and how what walking in the truth produces this morning. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be starting right here in verse 12. It says, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. 
They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. I'm going to put up here on the screen Solomon's colonnade. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. We talked about how the disciples were there. If you were back in this day and age, the, the, the temple hadn't been destroyed as it was in 70 AD. We haven't gotten to that point in history yet. And so this is a, a model of what it might have looked like back in that day. And you can see all those columns. See all those columns kind of back there in the back? There's some columns here in the front. But all those columns, that, that would have been Solomon's colonnade. And that was in an area called the Court of the Gentiles. And that's where, that's where these new Christians, they would come together all the time. You can actually, if you were, uh, this is what it might have looked like, just an artistic rendition of what it might have looked like if you were actually in uh, Solomon's colonnade. And this is where the, the, the new church, the baby church, would come together and they would pray and they would seek God and they would study and, uh, and hear truth from the, from the apostles and the disciples. And so uh, as, as they're there, uh, we see in verse 13 that, that no one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Doesn't that make, isn't that interesting? You know, you, you would think, you know, no one dared to, to, to join them. Maybe they need to work on their marketing strategy here. No, but but maybe they could have heard of Ananias and Sapphira, who we talked about last week. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the apostles about uh, giving. They, they were trying to use the church and use God for their own personal benefit. And God killed them right there on the spot. Very sobering thing. It could have been that they knew that the other religious leaders had it out for, had it out for them and had threatened them. But here they are. They're respected. And then in verse 15, as a result... So the people respected them so much. Look at this. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I mean, this is crazy stuff. You know, I'm not going to come to your meeting, but you know what? I've got some sick people. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to lay them right here on the side of the road so maybe that Peter's shadow would fall on them and that they might be healed. Obviously, they were respected. And here's what I want us to see this morning. If you got your notes, go ahead and write this down. Is that when you walk in the truth, when you walk in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is king and that the world is broken, but that we have the answers. When you walk in that truth, it produces undeniable fruit. It produces undeniable fruit. They say, you know what? We're not going to come to your meeting for whatever reason. We're not given all the answers here. But that even though that they didn't come to the meeting, but these guys were respected because they saw the fruit that was in their lives. When you and I live according to the truth, it produces fruit. It just does it naturally. When you and I, that, that when we live according to, to God's principles, when we have his Holy Spirit inside of us, when we're studying his word, when we're participating in, in, in church and we're getting involved and we're making that kingdom investment, let me tell you something, it produces fruit every single time. It did for them and it did for us. And I think that all of us that maybe have at some point been around uh, maybe churches or people or, or, you know, that maybe profess to be Christians, but they weren't walking in the truth and there was no fruit in their life. And so the fruit obviously shows that we are walking in the truth, that we are actively putting it uh, into practice 
in our lives. We're going to put up here on Isaiah 55 uh, verses 10 and 11 and, and just kind of take a look at this together. Some of y'all know this. Maybe you've, you've read this growing up, but it, it says here in the Old Testament, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. It goes on into verse 11. It says, look at this. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Do you see it? Do you see it? Where there is the truth of God and you're walking in the truth of God. It doesn't return to him void. There's always fruit. And let me tell you something. The people saw it. Now, some of y'all have heard me tell the story before when I was when I was a teenager, I think I was in my senior year of high school, living in Mississippi, and we have these things in Mississippi that we don't have here in Metairie and Kenner. They're called hills. And, um, and so there was one time I was coming home, and uh, I was driving home, and I remember looking out, and, and I could see smoke barreling up from somewhere. And I thought, man, something's, you know, maybe somebody's little campfire got, you know, I don't know what in the world's going on. And uh, just smoke was just barreling up. And so I'm making my way home. And lo and behold, as I got home, I, I, I noticed that, that that smoke, I mean, this is not a small amount of smoke. You know, this is like, it, I mean, you could see this all over the city that I lived in, just barreling up. And as I got closer to my house, I realized that this smoke was actually coming from my neighborhood. And, and you know, I mean, what do you do when you've got that much smoke in your neighborhood? You go find out where it is. You know, you go find out. You're not, oh, well, I'm just going to leave that to whoever. Like, oh, you go find out and see what's going on. So I began to drive. I followed it. Obviously, you can see it. I found out that there was a house in our neighborhood that was completely on fire. Something had happened in the kitchen, the oven, and it had caught on fire. And the whole house, the entire house was up in flames. The basketball goal, which was, you know, at least 24 feet from the house, was just melting. You know, I could just see this thing was just up in flames. Why do I tell you that? It's because when I was miles and miles away, I could see the smoke. Let me tell you something. When there's a fire, you don't have to advertise it, do you? You don't have to advertise a fire. Let me tell you something, when you've got God's fire in your heart, when you've got his truth and you're walking in his truth in your life and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, then there is a fire inside of you. And let me tell you something, you don't have to advertise that. People will naturally see the fruit that is a part of your life. Well, there's a second thing that I want you to write down. We've been talking about this over the past couple of weeks, but I just want to highlight it one more time. Walking in the truth produces, number one, undeniable fruit. Number two, write this down, unrelenting opposition. Unrelenting opposition. Unrelenting opposition, persecution, however you want to say it. Look with me in verse 17. When the high priest rose up and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. So they arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. And you know you can't hold that down. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. That's the truth. 
the life that God has given us. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So they're, they're back out. They're back out in the temple. They're back out in Solomon's colonnade. And they are back teaching again. Now, it says right here, as you go on, halfway through verse 21, it says, when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin. Now, this is no small group. This is about, this is like 71 elders, if you will. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty big group. And so 71 of the elders come together, the, the full council of Israel, of the Israelites, it says, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. They hadn't got the word just yet. In verse 22, it says, but when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail. So they returned and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them and wondered what could come of this. Now, at this point, it's not in the notes, but at this point, I would, I would be thinking if I was one of these, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees, you know, scribes, I, I would just be thinking, okay, this is bigger than me. And maybe I should perk up and maybe I, I should listen. I mean, jail cells are opening up for this, for this group. I mean, I, I would be at a, I'd be at a whole nother place. But, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck in their stubbornness. And so uh, when you get into verse 26, it says, Then the commander went with the servants and brought them in without force because they were afraid that the people might stone them. you got to remember, this, this group was popular. And after they had brought them in, they, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and, and they said, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? You remember the last time they told him that was just Peter and John. Now you've got all 12 of the apostles here. Didn't we, didn't we tell you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus. Again, he doesn't pull his punches. Whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. And then here it is, the truth. It's what I've been talking about. They proclaim the truth, even to these ones that don't believe. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. If our enemy is called the father of lies, he's going to have a problem with the truth of Christ. Just the bottom line. There's always going to be opposition. And the reason that the truth brings opposition and persecution is because the truth is potent. The truth of God is potent. It's concentrated. It is something that you just can't ignore. And here they are. The truth is going out and they're trying to stop the truth from permeating. They're trying to keep it from going out, but you can't keep it from going out. It calls you to action. Years ago, I had uh, someone, uh, they were asking me, hey, do you need some things done around, around the church? I said, yeah, that'd be great. I need, I need, someone, uh, uh, I need someone to mop our, our youth room. And so they said, okay, that, sound, that sounds good. And so we got up there, we got the mop, we got the bucket and all that kind of stuff. And we got the, the, the concentrated soap. And I looked at him, I said, now, now remember, all you need is a cap full of this, okay? So, you know, they were, you know, all you need is a cap full, go in there. 
Well, I'm in my office, and, you know, it had been a little while, maybe 30 minutes or, you know, 45 minutes, something like that. All of a sudden, my eyes are burning. All of a sudden, my lungs are hurting. And, and I go, what is going on? I can tell it, it is the soap. It is the thing. And he had not put a cap full. He's obviously a boy, okay? But like, you know, he, had put a, he hadn't just put a cap full. I think he was washing a car or something. Thought that he was washing a car, you know, and just like puts half the bottle in there. And then it was just, you know, has mopped. And I go in there and the doors are wide open because he can't breathe. We can't breathe. And I'm not lying to you. We had to evacuate this entire building. I mean, in here and all. There was no work to be done in this building on that day. We had to evacuate the entire building building because he had put so much more than a cap in there. He had not diluted it. He had used the, the soap in its full force and it was potent. And, and the, the reason I bring that up is because when, when you're in the, the midst of something that's potent, it calls you to action. You can't just sit around. You're either going to have to, to give yourself over to it or you're going to have to oppose it. And in their case, it was that they uh, opposed it. You can either you can deny it, you can avoid it, or you can accept it. And here's a, the thing: as, as I think about this, when 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 we talk about the truth of God, you know, there there seems to be a there seems to be a movement over the past several years, even decades where people will take a very traditional approach to their walk with God. Rules, regulations, it's got to be done this way and not that way. Very traditional. Maybe that you grew up in a very traditional way, and maybe that you have been, uh, um, that, that it has actually kind of pushed you away from church because of that matter of, of tradition. On the other side of that, there seems to be a very tame form of Christianity, where it is, it seems to be diluted. It's what some of my friends and I like to call Christian light, where, you know, you, you know, you're studying, you know, and I just, I just want some Christian light. You know, I really don't want the truth of God's word. I really don't want it potent because that's going to call me to action, you know, but I just give me some good Christian ease, some Christian lights. But the reality is the truth whether it's tradition, what they were dealing with right here, tradition is all about losing control. That tame side is about losing attendance. They don't want to lose attendance, but it's not about losing control or losing attendance. But what the Bible tells us is that it's important to know the truth because it's, it's a matter of life or death about losing your soul. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That's why I put in there in your notes that quote by Billy Graham, just because the truth is unpopular doesn't mean that it shouldn't be proclaimed. Well, why do you say all this, Pastor Dan? It's because I'm, I'm telling you from the, it's, it's going to happen. If you're going to live by the truth, you're going to be attacked for telling the truth. And the Bible tells us to share the truth in love. That doesn't mean that we're belligerent with the truth means we share it in love. It's going to happen. Persecution and opposition is normal. It's natural. But we have been called to live in the supernatural. And then that brings us to our next thing. So walking in the truth, number one, produces undeniable fruit. Number two, unrelenting opposition. But look at this, unstoppable obedience. 
unstoppable obedience. I just want to, just a couple of verses that we read, but I just want to go back and look over and look back at verse 18. So they arrested the apostles and they put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, look at this, and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Verse 21, don't miss it. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. Now, here's what I want you to understand. They were freed from their captivity, not so that they could go find a better hiding place. They were freed so that they could boldly share the message. Can I ask you something this morning? Is there anything that's got you chained? Is there anything that's got you in your own version of a prison or a jail cell? Is it your past? You say, Pastor Dan, my, my past is my prison. It's the thing that, that is my prison. Is it what people think of you? Is that your prison? What about your sin, your guilt, your shame? Pastor Dan, if you only knew what I've done, is that your prison this morning? Or maybe that you just don't feel like you know enough. Ladies and gentlemen, based on the authority of the word of God, I would just tell you this morning, it is time to have a jail break. They didn't break out of jail. The gospel, the God of the universe didn't break them out of jail so that they could go back in hiding. And the same thing is true for you and the same thing is true for me, that he hasn't broken you out of, uh, of these jails that, that we put ourselves in. He, ha he has given you freedom so that you can continue to proclaim. Today, if you haven't had that jailbreak in your life, today's the day to have it. And, you know, and, and if you were to contrast the difference between the apostles and, and the members of the council, you know, the council, they were the educated bunch. They were ordained. They were approved. But they didn't have any power. You go to the apostles, these guys were ordinary dudes. Many of them come from ordinary jobs. And yet, the power of God was in their lives. They were unstoppable, unstoppable obedience. They gave themselves over to it. And then finally, the last thing, when we walk in the truth, we've had undeniable fruit, unrelenting opposition, unstoppable obedience that God calls us to. And number four, unyielding increase. It's interesting the way that the story plays out. Look with me in verse 33. In verse 33, it says, when they heard this, okay, when they heard the truth, verse 33, they, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Remember, this is the same people that, that were enraged at Jesus, the exact same Sanhedrin. In verse 34, it says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered for the men to be taken outside for a little while. He's going to have a little talk. Verse 35, he said to them, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, he's going to give a little history. Some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed and came 
to nothing. And then he gives another example of another leader that something happened to. In verse 37 says, after this, a man named Judas, obviously not Judas Iscariot, but another Judas of the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished and all of his followers were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is un human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, then you will not be able to overthrow them. Don't miss this. Listen to this. You may even be found fighting against God. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were fighting against God and they were persuaded by him. Verse 40, after they called the apostles, they had them flogged and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. And then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin. Did that stop them? Did that put a damper on their spirit? Did that put a damper on the truth that was inside of them? Absolutely not. It says that they were rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on the behalf of the name. And every day, look at this, in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You just can't hold them down. If this is of human origin, it will fail. But you know those other leaders that he mentioned? And you can actually find, you can actually look this up. You can take Jewish history books that are outside of the Bible and you can find these other guys. But let me tell you, those leaders died and they never came back to life, did they? But our Jesus, he died. Oh, but he's not dead. He came back to life. And that's one thing that we'll be celebrating uh, even more next, next week. And so Gamaliel was saying, if, the, if this is the truth, it will prevail. If there is truth, there will be an unyielding increase and no one will be able to stop it. Because of the power of the truth. As we close today, I came across a story this week that was uh, pretty neat, or really more of an example. Deals with a, a policeman. And, you know, I, I've been to, I do a lot of funerals. And, you know, a lot of times when we're going from the church or the funeral home out to the gravesite, we have a. Um, we have a procession that goes out there, and a lot of times what happens is we have the police officers that will escort us uh, to that. And, and I've always found it interesting. I, I love doing it because it makes me feel so important because, you know, we get to go through red lights. And these, uh, I know, that's not, that's not a big deal for you, but that's a big deal for me, all right? Pat, you know, don't get, to, don't, go, don't get to break the rules a lot, but when I do, you know, I take the opportunity. And so... When uh, the, the, the police officer, he'll, he'll go out there and, and he'll, they're usually on motorcycles. And so they'll go out to that motorcycle and whether it's red light, green light, whatever, they go out there and they, and they you know what they do, they, they put their hands up. It's amazing. All of traffic stops. Now, now, there's nothing particularly important about a, about a, a police officer. If, if he was out there, you know, if, if, you know, if a car was coming, can he physically stop that car from running into him? No, he cannot. But because he's got this uniform on and because he's got this badge, when he stands up, he stands up because of the uniform, because of the badge, when he puts his arm out, he's got authority. And in a way, he kind of becomes like a, like a Superman, that he can stop 
not just one car, but he can start, he can stop a whole line of cars because he's got that authority and everybody recognizes it because of the uniform and the badge that he has on. There is no strength in and of himself to stop cars. But nevertheless, because what he's wearing, he has the authority to stop cars. I want you to think about that in terms of the truth. There is nothing that these disciples physically, they were just men. They were just men. But because they had the uniform of the truth and the badge of the gospel on their chest, people could see it and they said, these guys have authority and they changed the world. I want you to hear loud and clear before we pray. You have the same truth on you as they had on them. And you have the authority. And when you have the truth of God in you, you will produce a type of fruit that will last, not just in this life, but for all eternity. <laughs>